the beginning. We escaped, but only into the clutches of the greatest storm in American history. Below us, when we could still see through the patches of angry clouds, were smashed cities and forests torn out by their roots. And finally, the earth disappeared from our view. We were prisoners of the wind, helpless in the storm's mighty grip. And we wondered, how much longer would we remain aloft? Would we ever set foot on the earth again? I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Futus of War. Resistance is futile. Iron oh, Man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, David. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is a uh, you're listening to Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is episode 703 for Sunday, October 21st, 2018. I'm back this week with another classic science fiction movie. Today's movie is Mysterious Island. Before I get into today's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy it. With that said, I'm going to play the trailer to Mysterious Island. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll be back after the trailer with some movie information, and then I'll get into the movie. you have imagined in your wildest dreams now becomes a visual reality as Jules Verne's most fantastic adventure in space and time becomes an amazing film experience. Don't let me fall! Lighten the basket! We gotta gain height! whose great stories inspired such unusual films as Around the World in 80 Days, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Journey to the Center of the Earth, surpasses them all with Mysterious Island. Starring 
Michael Craig, who triggers the screen's most thrilling escape. Gary Merrill as a war correspondent. Joan Greenwood, shipwrecked on the mysterious island. And in this story of survival, Michael Callan and Beth Rogan. Come on. What's it doing? I don't know. Sealing us in. Also starring Herbert Lom as the mysterious Captain Nemo and his fabulous submarine, the Nautilus. Aren't we able to do anything to save ourselves? There's nothing that can be done. Super Dynamation, newest and greatest screen process, astonishes the eye with such scenes as the fight to the death with a prehistoric devilfish. The discovery and destruction of an underwater city. Mysterious Island. Photograph on land, under the sea, and in the air. Truly a first in motion pictures. Mysterious Island is a 1961 science fiction adventure movie produced by Charles H. Schneer and directed by Cy Infield. The screenplay was written by John Preble, Dennis B. Ullman, and Crane Wilbur. It was loosely based on the 1874 novel The Mysterious Island by Jules Verne. The music was composed by Bernard Herrmann, and the special effects were created by Ray Harryhausen. Mysterious Island was released December 20, 1961, and has a running time of 101 minutes. And here's the cast, starting at the top. Michael Craig as Captain Cyrus Harding. Joan Greenwood as Lady Mary Fairchild. Michael Callan as Herbert Brown. Gary Morrell as Gideon Spillett. Beth Rogan as Elena Fairchild, Percy Herbert as Sergeant Pencroft, Dan Jackson as Neb, and Herbert Lom as Captain Nemo. That's it for movie information. Now let's get into the movie. Today's movie opens on a stormy night at a Confederate prisoner of war camp in Richmond, Virginia. Union soldiers Captain Cyrus Harding, Herbert Brown, and Neb are planning an escape via a gas balloon which is tethered in a nearby courtyard. When a new prisoner, Union War Correspondent Gideon Spillett, is brought into the cell, Captain Harding, Herbert, and Neb knock out the guards and escape from the prison house. Once they reach the balloon, they drag in one of the Confederate guards and head off into the sky. So my first clip is of the men introducing themselves after they make their escape. Captain Cyrus Harding! Hey, Captain! Look, fool! This is Neff! Union soldier! I'm Herbert Brown! Pennsylvania Infantry! Watch it! Watch this! Don't off down to one side! Hey, I know what uniform that is! You're a Union war correspondent! Very observant, young man! 
Gideon Spillett, New York Herald. How much food in that box, Snap? Enough for five days, maybe. Four. If Mr. Spillett decides to stay. Well, that all depends, of course, on where you're headed. Wherever the wind takes us, Mr. Spillett. Uh, looks like your other guest is coming around. You're my prisoner. What's your name and rank? Sergeant Pencroft. Regiment? Confederate Army. That's all you get out of me. Now listen, soldier. You ever seen a burial at sea? Huh? Well, you're dressed for one. Only we're not over the sea. We're over land at about a mile up. It's a long way down, Sergeant. What these warriors are trying to tell you, Sergeant, is that if you know anything about running this thing, you can stay. Otherwise... I can work it. You mean you can bring this thing down any time you like? I can bring you down, but not necessarily alive. Where this wind is running, we'd be smashed to a pulp when we hit land. You offering parole? That's all, Rebel. All right, then. Now, hear my terms. And this gale is blowing due west. Now, maybe we could come down in your line, and maybe in mine. Whichever it is, nobody is anybody's prisoner when we touch land. You understand? We all go our own way, and we don't discuss politics. Otherwise, Yankees, <laughs> you can just let this gale blow you to kingdom come. All right, cut him loose. Congratulations, Captain. The balloon carries the men westward across the United States and eventually over the Pacific Ocean. My next clip is of Captain Harding ordering Sergeant Pencraft to take the balloon down. Hey, looks like water. Could be a lake. Well, it's too big to be a river. It's too big for either. Must be the ocean. Pencraft, take us down. We'll have a closer look. the Pacific. Can't be anything else. You mean we've been carried clear across America? It looks like it. Hey, Captain, aren't we coming down awful fast? Bancroft, close the valve. Pitch stuck! We're going to hit the water. We'll all drown. Can't you do something? Get your hands off that rope! It's going across the opening! Someone's gonna get up! I'm going up! Oh! Lighten the balloon! Check out the rest of the sandbag!
Thank you, Pancroft. I'm glad I decided to let you stay. Not you, Captain. It's this valve bar you broke off. Hey, we're not dropping anymore. No, I got it closed. You closed it permanent. We can't go down anymore. This was the only control we had. With the valve now broken, they continue to drift until they hit another storm, which tears open the balloon, forcing it to descend and eventually running aground on the shore of an unknown island. Later that day, four of the five men reunite, except for Captain Harding, who is missing. My next clip is of the four men finding Captain Harding. Captain, are you all right? Yeah. I knew you was alive, Captain. Hey, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Yeah, Herbert, you're all safe. Good. Good morning, Captain. We missed you. We would have found you sooner, Captain, if you hadn't hidden out in these rocks. Hid out? Didn't you bring me here? No, sir. We saw your fire. I wasn't capable of lighting a fire even if I'd had any matches. And I hadn't. None of us had either. I don't remember anything since I went under. Obviously. Neb, you need some hot food. Bring some of those coals and I'll cook up a giant oyster stew. Where do you think this fire came from if the captain didn't light it? Gosh, he lit it somehow. He just, he just don't remember, that's all. The following day, the castaways begin to explore the island. When they reach the other side of the island, they encounter a monstrous crab. Neb is nearly killed, but the castaways manage to push the giant crab into a boiling geyser and eat the crab meat later. They continue to explore and find a herd of goats, and they try to catch them. That's when they see a boat adrift. When they reach the beach, they find two unconscious women and a dead sailor. My next clip is of the men introducing themselves to the ladies. Will you have some of my soup, madam? No, thank you. Are you English? No, ma'am. We're not English. We're Americans. Oh. It's made of shellfish, a kind of French bouillabaisse. There's only one kind of bouillabaisse, no. Auntie, you must have something. Leave me alone, child. Are you in charge? Yes, ma'am. I take it that we're not in Marseille, in spite of what the gentleman offered us to eat. No, ma'am. We're somewhere in the Pacific, on an island, to be exact. But surely you went on our ship? We came by balloon. I beg your pardon? I said we came by... Oh, please don't talk nonsense. I shall address myself to you. But he's right, ma'am. We were held in a Confederate prison and escaped in one of their observation balloons. Yes, yes, I'm quite sure of it. But we can't possibly stay here. How soon may we leave? Uh, well, I, I'm not quite sure, ma'am. Oh, my name. My name is Lady Mary Fairchild. And this is my niece, Elena. Ma'am, my name is Cyrus Harding, Captain of the United States Army Engineers. I take it you've met these others. But, but where's the sailor? Who was on our boat? I'm sorry to have to tell you, ma'am, that he's dead. I see now. Then how soon do you propose to leave? Just as soon as we build a boat. I hope it will be soon. We were traveling home from Valparaiso. 
My brother, who's Elena's father, is British consul in Chile. He didn't want to make this voyage, but I promised him she would be safe. How, how are you, my dear? I'm much better, thank you, Auntie. But I think we're both a little tired, don't you? <laughs> yes. Yes, of course. So, if you will excuse us, gentlemen. All right, gentlemen. The men continue to explore the island when they find a cave with the remains of a castaway named Thomas Ayrton. My next clip is of Captain Harding reading Thomas Ayrton's diary. I have decided that a life such as this is no longer worth living. I therefore bequeath all my worldly possessions to whosoever shall discover my remains. A curse upon the brigands who abandoned me here to suffer and to die. Signed, Thomas Ayrton. August 13th, 1862. I'd trade all his worldly possessions for one good axe. I wonder why he never drank this up. Probably was a teetotal. Well, it tastes, uh, it smells mighty good. If you're still looking for a story to write, there's a great one in that diary for you, Mr. Spillett. You know, Herbert, you're right. Thomas Ayrton. Honest seaman falls in with a gang of cutthroat pirates and is cast away by them on this mysterious island. With his tongue cut out so he can no longer reveal their secrets. Alone, he degenerates into animal savagery. And finally, disgusted with his bestiality, insane with hunger for the human company. Oh, just a minute now, Mr. Spillett. Isn't all that just a little uh, flowery? Well, that's what the reading public wants today, Mr. Harding. He hangs himself from the rafters of a prehistoric cave. The death of an ex-pirate. You, ho, ho, ain't a bottle of rum. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Up the gully, Roger! Fifteen men on a dead man's chest. He's been <laughs> swizzling this stuff. This is our place and everything in it. it says so in his diary. <laughs> uh, that's quite true, Pencroft. This is ideal. Perfect shelter, perfect safety, and a fine place from which to carry out our boat building operations. And, uh, if I may say so, gentlemen, solid as a rock. Later, a treasure chest washes ashore containing a variety of useful items, including maps, tools, rifles, and books. My next clip is of Mr. Spillett telling Lady Mary the story of the infamous Captain Nemo. N A U Nautilus. Here, let me see that. You're right. It must be from the Nautilus. You mean the submarine? Captain Nemo's ship. What a story that was. Remember, Lady Mary? No, I'm afraid I don't. Possibly it was during the hunting season. Well, it made the headlines in New York and London for weeks. This Nemo with his submarine, did you call it? Was he a man of some notoriety? He was a monster, madam. A devil. What do you mean he was a devil? He was a genius. Any man who could live underwater like a fish... Under what? Underwater, ma'am. This submarine was powered with some incredible method he'd invented himself. Nothing on the surface could escape from it. Precisely, Mr. Spillett. 
And he used it to destroy ships without warning. Only warships, Captain. He had a kink about war, Lady Mary. A very sensible kink. He hated it. Captain, what language is this? It's Latin. Mihi libertas necessest. I must have liberty. Did he find it, Mr. Spillett? His submarine was reported lost off the coast of Mexico about eight years ago, with all hands. Now, this chest has been floating in the sea for eight years. Do you really believe it has, Captain? Using the tools in the treasure chest, the men begin to construct a boat. One day, while the ladies are tending the goats, Mr. Spillett encounters a giant flightless bird while fishing. Mr. Spillett and the ladies run from the bird. The bird tries to eat Elena, when Herbert jumps on the bird's back and kills it with a knife. Later, as they are eating the bird, they discover that the bird was killed by a bullet, not Herbert's knife. Weeks later, Elena and Herbert follow a trail of honey to a giant beehive. The bees attack, and they hide in the honeycomb and are sealed in by the bees. They escape the beehive into a flooded cave where they find the submarine Nautilus. Meanwhile, on the outside, a pirate ship has been sighted. The castaways try to hide, but are discovered, and the fight begins. The castaways kill three of the pirates, when all of a sudden there's an explosion on the ship, and it sinks with all hands aboard. My next clip is of the castaways meeting Captain Nemo. How do you do, Captain Harding? I'm Captain Nemo. Nemo? How did you know my name? Did you tell him? It wasn't necessary. I've known about you all for months now, from the day I carried you ashore. You were the one who built the fire. The man who fired the mystery bullet. Someone had to kill that bird. Her ladyship's uh, gun jam. Do join us, Lady Mary. I'm not quite the ogre, I appear. Do you usually dress up like that to frighten young ladies? No, not to frighten young ladies. To breathe on the water. You see, I do much of my work out there. So we've heard. Like sinking ships and drowning innocent men. Surely you don't object to my having placed an explosive charge to that pirate ship to drown them, do you? You see, Harding, I told you he was a genius and not a devil. Listen, Captain Nemo, I'm from the New York Herald. I reported your story eight years ago. I know you. I've read some of your dispatches. You specialize in war news, don't you? You supply the ink, the soldiers supply the blood. I bet that was his place we just came from. Yes. There's a big iron ship and a flooded grotto. Elaine and I were just aboard. The Nautilus, here? What's left of it? Well, that's wonderful. That means we can get off. No, you can't. If you're hoping to use my vessel to leave this island, don't, because she can never take the sea again. Why have you stayed hidden from us all this time? Because contact with my own species has always disappointed me. Solitude gives me freedom of mind and uh, independence of action. Why have you picked this particular time to interrupt this solitude? I'll tell you. Because your behavior, gentlemen, and ladies, in a struggle for survival has been quite admirable. Now I'm satisfied that I can use your resourcefulness. You see, 
That volcano is on the verge of eruption. A catastrophe of nature will soon turn this island into cinders. In short, Captain Harding, I need your help as much as you need mine. Only you don't have much choice if you want to live. Now you listen to me. We're not going to do anything because of your threats, and we have every intention of going on living. If, however, you care to share the boat we're building, I think that might be arranged. Thank you. But it wouldn't be finished in time. Also, it would be too small for my... my needs. Fortunately, the ship that will carry us all into safety is already waiting for us. Out there. Captain Nemo invites the castaways aboard the Nautilus for dinner. My next clip is of Captain Nemo telling the castaways about his amazing discovery. If we ever do get off this island, I'd like to write your life story. Yes. Whatever does a man do on an island like this for eight years? It depends on the man. I did what I've always done. Devoted my strength to destroying the concept of warfare. Your profession, Captain Harding. Well, considering the ships and crews that you've sunk without mercy, you can't disturb my conscience. Can't I? What I did was in the name of peace. Your war, like all wars, glories in devastation and death. No, my war will set men free. That's a struggle that belongs to all men, don't you think? Just how have you been able to carry out your crusade, Captain? without the Nautilus in operation? A good question, Mr. War Correspondent. It'll please Captain Harding to know it did not entail the sinking of warships. So instead, I've been conducting experiments in horticultural physics. What do you want? Experiments that will guarantee mankind an inexhaustible food supply. <laughs> yes. Surely you've seen the results. Hey, that crab! And the honeycomb. The giant oysters you devoured. The birds that almost devoured you. You see, with the Nautilus, I was merely attacking the weapons of war. But now, I've conquered the causes. Famine and economic competition. Imagine wheat growing 40 feet high and sheep the size of cattle. When I've delivered my designs and apparatus to the world, my work will be over. So that's what you meant when you said the boat we're building wouldn't be big enough. That is right. Now look, you said that volcano was due to erupt in the next few days. We got time to just sit and talk? Not really, but I should like to if you don't mind. See, I want to make it clear to you all that there is more than just saving our lives which interests me. I must take the results of my work back to civilization. Now, to do this, I realized I needed a ship of size, like that pirate vessel. And that's why you sent it to the bottom? How would you dispose of a crew of violent men in one stroke? Do you actually believe you can refloat a ship of that size? I planted that charge to damage her only in one small section. I have the necessary equipment to raise her, and you all will supply the manpower. You have very good health. You will need it. 
Well, Captain Harding, aren't you ready to dance with the devil now? You show me the pumps and the power to raise that ship, and then you'll have seven new waltz partners. My next clip is of Captain Nemo explaining to the castaways how he is going to raise the pirate ship. This bottle, like a ship, floats because it is filled with air. Now make a hole in either, as I did in that pirate vessel. The air is displaced by water, and the bottle, like the ship, sinks to the bottom. Therefore, when we've set a patch over the damaged section of the hull, we can pipe air into it through a pipeline which we construct from bamboo. Now, the pressurized air entering here drives the water out of the hold, which becomes a float. And as it does so, the ship will rise to the surface. Now, fabricating the patch, bolting it into place, making sure that all sections of the hull are airtight, including the hatchways, are the jobs you will have to do underwater. Now, I'll train you and equip you for it. Well, theoretically, it should work. Theoretically, we'll be dead if it doesn't. Captain Nemo teaches the men how to use the underwater gear, and they make plans to raise the pirate ship. Just as the castaways and Captain Nemo begin their work on the plan of escape, time has run out, and the volcano starts to erupt. My next clip is of Captain Harding explaining his new plan to raise the ship to Captain Nemo. Perfect. Now look, look. Say this is the envelope of the balloon that brought us here. It would only take about half an hour to repair. Now then, we attach it to the bamboo pipeline. Then, we place it inside the hull of the sunken ship. Would take maybe, what, another hour. Then, with the pumps of the Nautilus, we force air into the balloon cloth, which becomes a huge air bubble and floats to the surface, bringing the ship with it. Now, it must work. Just possible. The fabric will hold the pressure. Well, if it's a chance, we've got to try. By heaven, it is a chance. Captain Harding, get the underwater equipment. And you'd better take the women with you. I'll stay to operate the pump and to assemble my equipment. When this needle zeroes, I'll know the ship is afloat. Right, we'll be back for you. While working underwater to raise the pirate ship, the men are attacked by a giant cephalopod. Sergeant Pencock is almost killed by the giant cephalopod. Captain Harding uses Captain Nemo's electric gun to make the giant cephalopod retreat. Meanwhile, back on the Nautilus, Captain Nemo starts the pump and the pirate ship is raised from the bottom. The castaways board the pirate ship, but Captain Nemo dies in the Nautilus when it explodes. My last clip is of the castaways sailing away from the island. We deeply regretted we could not save the life of the man who had saved ours. A man who dedicated himself to ending strife among men. And when we returned to civilization, we all pledged ourselves to working for a peaceful and bountiful world, as Captain Nemo would have it. And that's the end of today's movie. And now it's time for some movie trivia. Columbia Studios wanted James Mason to reprise his role as Captain Nemo from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And I would be all for that because James Mason is Captain Nemo.
Originally, there was going to be a scene featuring a man-eating plant, but it was never shot. That would have been cool, too, to see. A real brown crab was disemboweled, dismembered, cleaned, and fitted with an internal armature for Ray Harryhausen's stop-motion animation of the giant crab. Additional live crabs were used for some facial close-ups and then later cooked for the crew's dinner. The scenes on the island were actually filmed on the coast of Spain. Producer Charles H. Schneer claimed that he chose this story after reading an article stating that Jules Verne's Mysterious Island was the most looked-at book in public libraries. Bernard Herrmann's main title score for Mysterious Island was used by Walt Disney for the Disneyland Railroad in Anaheim, California. It can be heard while the train passes through the primeval world portion of the attraction between Tomorrowland and Main Street Station. That's it for movie trivia. Now it's time for the Star Trek connection. Everybody knows I'm a big Star Trek fan and I try to find a Star Trek connection in every movie or TV show I watch. I'm afraid to say I didn't find a Star Trek connection in today's movie. So let's go right into my comments about today's movie. I watched the 2002 DVD release from Columbia Pictures. It's part of the Ray Harryhausen Signature Collection. The picture and sound quality are really good on this DVD. This DVD is also loaded with features. It comes with two featurettes, the first one being The Making of Mysterious Island, and the second one being This is Dynamation. It also comes with a documentary called The Harryhausen Chronicles. It also comes with a photo gallery and a theatrical trailer. I remember watching this movie as a kid and really enjoying it. I'm a big Ray Harryhausen fan. I love all of his movies. I like the story, even though the original story doesn't have the giant monsters, the giant crab, the giant bee, the giant animals. I like this. Um, I think the actors did a great job. Half of them were English, um, probably more than half. Um, I really like this movie. And, you know, we're in the age of computer-generated graphics, but you know what? Ray Harryhausen's stop animation... That looks so cool. This movie always brings back good memories of my childhood because I remember watching these type of movies, Ray Harryhausen movies, on Saturday afternoons. Um, I would recommend this movie to any science fiction fan. It's really not that expensive. It's probably 10 or, 10 or 12 bucks from Amazon, but it's a great movie to watch on a rainy day or a day that you're sick and you just want to just lay in the bed and watch something. This is a great movie. On a scale from 1 to 10, I'm going to give this movie a solid seven. And those are my comments about Mysterious Island. That's it for today's podcast. Before I wrap up this week's podcast, I want to thank Rico again for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoyed it. Rico will be back next week with a Halloween vidcast. I'll be back soon with another classic science fiction movie. Until then, everyone take care. This is M5, signing off.
listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Join the forum at treksinsci-fi.com forward slash forum or write to Rico today. TrekSF at gmail.com Until next time, live long and prosper. Treks in Sci-Fi. Transmission.